Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And uh, with all of this lockdown going on, we've decided to just pump out episode after episode, keep you all entertained while you're hanging out in four walls, locked in somewhere. I'm assuming some people are outside. If you live in a nice climate right now, I won't lie, I'm slightly envious of you because at least if I had to not be around people, being in nature would be a little bit nicer, but it's pretty cold where I am today. I'd want to be in Florida, but then I'm also scared of all the crazy, stupid spring breakers that have infiltrated Florida beaches. Yeah, that's yeah, true. They're nuts, oh man. Um, our, isn't our didn't our guest just return from Florida? Yeah, but that's different. He didn't he, he didn't come in off of a spring break. But. I know, I know. Well, hey everyone, it's Amanda. And as Mark said, we are trying to pump out as many episodes as possible. And today we're speaking to John Breeson on the phone. He is a registered massage therapist just outside of Toronto. He's uh, in Oakville area. And um, he just did return from Florida, but for a very good reason, which I'll let him tell you all about. And so he's actually quarantined still. So we're talking to him from, are you at home, John? Are you in your, you're in your house? Yes, I'm at home in Oakville. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, how long you've been practicing and why you were out of the country and therefore now quarantined? Yeah. Um, so I've been in RMT now for about a year and a half. Uh, practicing in Oakville and Burlington. And yeah, I was in Florida for a triathlon training camp. I am also a competitive triathlete when I am not working. Um, so the club I'm a part with called Loring Personal Coaching, um, they're located out of Guelph. Uh, they have an opportunity that you can go down to Florida and get a solid week of training in for a week. And I, you know, I planned this way prior, like kind of in November time, I was kind of planning this trip. Uh, and the trip was March, like 6th to the 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was leaving, all the corona was kind of like just starting to happen. So I was like, I think I should be totally fine. And then kind of when I was down there training, everything kind of started to kind of get crazy. Yeah, the timeline is really strange on this. It does seem like one day everything's fine and the next day it's panic and uncertainty. Not, not that everything's fine, but it's just like a progressive escalation. Yeah, and it, the progression's just happening really, really quickly. Yeah, rapid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you really, I really noticed it like down down there, the grocery stores were, were crazy, kind of, I guess, like here. Mm-hmm. Um, shelves were empty especially after they kind of put out the, the the last warning that was when I was down there was like, I think it was like the, the 13th or the 12th that they basically told like triathlon Canada sent an email out to all of us, basically telling us you're out of the country, come home now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So then a, a bunch of elite athletes that were with us had races that following weekend and they actually didn't know they weren't racing until about like half a day before the race. Whoa. So oh, a bunch wow. of elite athletes had flown down to just do this one race too, and they don't get any money refunded or anything. So it's a tough time for some of them that don't work. When were you supposed to be racing, John? Because you said you're on Team Canada, right? When was your race scheduled for? So my race is currently scheduled for uh, mid to late August, and that's the World Championship, and it's in Edmonton this year. Okay. So as of right now, they have not canceled it, postponed it, or anything. But I mean, looking at how everything is going... Like they just officially postpone the Olympics. Yeah, exactly. Like they're going to postpone world champions for triathlon. Like it just doesn't make sense for them to not. Mm-hmm. My assumption is the whole season is going to be canceled and they're just going to be like, because there was no opportunity to qualify for world next year, which are in Bermuda. I'm assuming they're just going to be like everyone that's on the team this year can go to Bermuda. Okay. Well, that's some light at the end of this unforeseeably yeah. long tunnel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just, you know, motivation to keep, 
training while in quarantine back at home because mm-hmm. uh, it can be kind of boring being locked in your basement, but you can only do so much, right? Yeah, for sure. So initially, our plan was actually to have you in anyway before, as you know, before we knew what was really happening and before you knew that you were going to have to be quarantined, uh, we were going to have you in the office to talk about your life as an athlete and training for triathlons. So I think that should still be the game plan today. I don't know about you, but I think I'm... I'm just being so bogged down and infiltrated with all things COVID that I don't know if I can handle another full discussion on the virus. He does have an interesting story because when we were setting up this schedule to do the podcast, I think you mentioned to me that there's airport staff that tested positive or something like that. Oh, mm-hmm. let's talk yeah, about there that were, first. Yeah. I changed my mind. Yeah, it was the uh, the day I, I returned back. I was home for a day and I went on, like, obviously Google and I saw basically the day after I was there, there was an, an airport staff and a, a traveler that were tested positive. And I was like, great, I was in the airport yesterday. The likelihood of me now kind of being interacting with that person is significantly increased. What's it like at the airports right now? Um, were they doing testing at the airport? I remember seeing something... I don't even remember where now because we're in this 24-hour news cycle and we're all obsessed with it. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. (laughs) Today's Tuesday. But I remember seeing something that um, Canadian airports, or at least uh, the one here in Toronto, were not really as as tight and as strict as some of the airports in other countries have been what what was your experience yeah i was actually like really disappointed with the process leaving and coming back in like so when i left it wasn't a big deal at all they just a question on a computer screen basically asked like have you been to these three places mm-hmm. there's basically like italy iran and like you know china right. and it was basically like no i have not and it was on a computer screen. So how do they know if you're lying or not? And and that was it. And then he just basically proceeded. They had no other questions at all to leave Canada. Coming back, it was even less. Like, I literally wasn't even asked. I was asked where I was. I said Florida. I didn't even say, like, Orlando and what I was there for, like, mm-hmm. a training camp. Like, they literally just asked, where were you? I was like, Florida. They're like, okay, welcome home. Didn't ask <laughs> if I was feeling sick. Didn't ask if I had any symptoms. Didn't ask anything. They just let, let, let me back in. This was before the, the PM shut down most international flights. In? Yeah, this was right. This was before that. Well, this is when yeah, they were starting was, to tell everyone about, to get like, home. This is about a week before everything kind of really the shit at the fan. <laughs> if that's what you want to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you were in Florida, what was it like there? Like, I mean, I assume that you were surrounded by mostly other athletes and coaches. Was there a lot of talk of this? Were people thinking about it? Or were you guys all focused on what you were there for? Um, there was a lot of like joke and banter through everyone about it. You know, if we ever had a hard session and we coughed, everyone would look at you and be like, oh, Corona, like as a joke. But <laughs> I mean, like there was no, none of us were concerned, I guess, about our health or getting it. Cause we were all like at the time, like, oh, you know, we should be fine. We're healthy, you right. know, all this we didn't realize how big it was kind of becoming um but i think at the end of the day we weren't we're still not likely to you know have horrible symptoms from this we're all kind of healthy younger individuals for the most part there are a few older people there but they're but still again, triathletes so i feel like exactly. they're winning yeah <laughs> they're winning exactly but yeah no it's the only negative is the up of training compared to normal on a training camp mm-hmm. um so like in the six days we, we did about like 19 hours of training so that compared to being at home i probably do about 10 to 12 so the up in training can kind of compromise immune system depending on how how much how hard you're working as well yeah that's true yeah so that was the only concern well, let's talk about your your life as a triathlete how long have you been doing this um i've been doing triathlon for four years now um i was a competitive runner through high school um and then i kind of 
transitioned into triathlon through injury and through the recommendation actually of an RMT that I was seeing through my injury. Okay, wait, wait, let's back that up. You were running and then because you had an injury, the RMT recommended triathlons. I need more information. He, he, he actually suggested cycling. So the RMT, uh, I saw named Anthony and he was like a professional cyclist at the time who was also practicing as a massage. And I saw him and he was just basically like, you're a young guy. You keep on getting hurt from a lot of the running that you're doing. Why don't you think about biking? I think you would be a, a really good biker. And I kind of end up getting a cheap bike online and started riding that bike. And I was like, I love this. Mm. All I have to do is swim to do a triathlon now. I was like, why not try it? And that's kind of <laughs> you see Amanda's well, face right now. all I'm thinking of. I assume his advice was you need to tone down okay, the running. So you, didn't, you didn't take out the running. You just added some things. <laughs> <laughs> pretty he was basically like you need something to not run every day yeah that, that was to break up the... twice a day every day okay you know? that's like, fair okay the that's repetitiveness fair. of, of i love i running. love the way athletes brains works we we talk about this all the time but it's just you know you hear okay i need to run less but you don't you're not going to stop running you're a runner that's what you love to do so okay how can i run yeah. less all right i'll do a triathlon because then there's also cycling and swimming i'm good i love it <laughs> exactly. i just love it yeah yeah <laughs> takes uh, some of the you know injury out and gives some not as bored too running every day it can get kind of tedious having to be like oh i got to run this morning oh i got to run tonight when you when you're doing your training for your running give me an idea of the distances that you run with your training i'm so curious um so i mainly do sprint and olympic triathlons so that's a either a sprint triathlon as a 750 meter swim, mm -hmm. a 20 kilometer bike, and then a 5k run. And an Olympic is double that. So a 1500 meter swim, a 40k ride and a 10k run. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So on my long run, like my long run, my coach will typically cap me at like an hour and 20 to an hour and 30 minutes. And she's very much likes to go by time. Right, right, right. So if depending on how I'm feeling, like that can be upwards of like, 24 25k around there but it could also be you know as much as like just 15k now so you it kind of depends on how i'm feeling <laughs> <laughs> i i i i have nothing to say running has never been something that like obviously people like different things i understand that and you're never going to understand somebody else's hobbies or passions but running has never been something that i've thoroughly enjoyed i used to run 5k about four times a week just as part of my regular fitness program and i did that for years i'd say probably four years i would run 5k every other day sort of and even after like four years of doing that i never liked running it never got to a point where i was like yeah, I get to run today. I was like, fuck, I got to do my run today. <laughs> Let me run five yeah. times the distance. Well, exactly. You're talking 5K. like, oh, you know, I'd run for an hour and run like 15K. I'm like, man, I would run 5K. It would take me probably 25 minutes. And at the end of it, I would collapse and want to cry. So <laughs> I like, I will That's never so understand running, but good for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. 25 minutes for a 5K is not too bad, though. That's decent. I have really That's long legs. I'm, I'm fairly, I'm <laughs> yeah. fairly fast, but no, I yeah. never liked it. It was never enjoyable for me. I wanted it to become enjoyable for me, but it just never did. So here we are, you know, 15 years post that period of my life. And I don't think I've ran in those 15 years at all. 25K though. Oh my God. That's, that's a, a lot. That's like, you can, that's running across the city, like literally from the east end to the west end of the city. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, it, 
I find you got to run, you have to run farther than what you're training. Otherwise you're just, yeah. just not going to, you're not going to perform. Exactly. Not gonna yeah. You got to have that, yeah. uh, that stimulus. Yeah. How did this yeah. become a passion for you? Like I said, it was never something that I understood, but when did you sort of realize that you just really loved running and what is it about running that well, first sparks off, you? He has like a body type for this type of thing. So I met John when, uh, we have Iconid Institute in OSCE preparation course and, uh, or, you know, a workshop to prepare you for your licensing exam and he took the, the four-day course and so like that that's how i know what this dude looks like he's got a a triathlete runner swimmer body i assume that's from being a triathlete or are you trying to suggest that he was born with this body and therefore he ran because i'm tall and people always assume i play basketball i do not <laughs> <laughs> i think he's got a pretty good uh, genetic predisposition to accept okay this. that's fair is that part of it john did you always have like just this natural athletic ability and then running happened naturally? Yeah, I've always like, I got like the athlete of the year of my school, like grade eight through 12, like every mm-hmm. year. I was always into sports. I did a bunch of different sports, but running was definitely running and hockey as a kid were, were two of the big standouts. I played like rep hockey, you know, Oakville, pretty much until the 10th grade. And that's where I kind of got into running more is like Mark said, my body type. I got told by all these coaches, like, oh, we love you. Can you put on 60 pounds this, this summer? I was like, 60 pounds? <laughs> like, that's like, not going to happen. And they're like, well, try. And I'm like, okay. okay. And I, I honestly did try. I went to a gym every day. I, I, I got a nutritionist. I ate until I wanted to throw up, waited five minutes, continued. Did that every single day for three months. And I gained four pounds. Like, <laughs> you, and I, you and I have very opposite problems, John. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. It's, a lot of people don't call it a problem. I, for me, it was at the time. And it was like very, you know, disheartening because I, you know, basically was told you can't play because you're not big enough. Yeah, of course it's a problem. I mean, it's when your body isn't doing what you want it to do, it's always a problem. And as Mark said, there are just certain people that have body types for things and there's genetic predisposition. So some people are just born to be natural athletes and some, you know, probably could play maybe not at a competitive level, but it's going to take them a little more work. Like I said, for me, running never came easily or naturally. I tried to force it. And really, I did that up until my knee said, you have to stop this woman. It's not nice. That's kind of what I did as a kid. And I as I kind of quit hockey in grade 10. And that's kind of when I just, I started to run full time. And I actually, I was on, I don't know if you have heard about this, but have you heard about the stuff at the University of Guelph? and their varsity track coach and their track program. No. no. Um, so the varsity track coach at the University of Guelph, he was recently um, let go due to sexual assaulting his female athlete. Ooh, and this was Jesus. just coming to light. Um, he was doing it to his young, like 16-year-old athletes that he was recruiting. Awful, awful. He was a complete asshole. Um, and I, I went to that school and I was part of that program for like, that's where I got hurt, actually. Mm. And I was there for like, maybe three weeks and I did their training camp and then did like a week or two of training at the school. And then I got hurt and I'd signed a contract to be a part of the, the team. And he basically called me to a meeting and he's like, you can either quit or we're going to make this injury permanent and you're never going to be able to run again. You can decide what you want to do. What? The wow. Fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, and my like recruiting class, like I was one of the, like not as good athletes. Like I was on the lower end mm-hmm. and there were some athletes who had like won Ontario's. And I think my room class was like 20 to 30 freshmen. There were two there the following year. Like that's how many guys he just went through. And at the time, like he was just laughing at me and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm the king. He's also, he was also team Canada's Olympic like head coach for distance running. So if you want to do anything in distance running, he's your guy. Like if you're not on his good side, you're not going to get picked for the team. And yeah, and this just came to light this year. And now all these athletes are coming, talking about it. He was fired. 
University of Guelph track program will shut down for a little bit. The Speed River Track Club, which is also connected, which was shut down until they could find a new coach. Um, yeah, and all this has just come to light, and I'm happy it did because the coach was awful, but it's kind of the running world can be toxic for sure. It's the athletic world. We had an episode where we had somebody on who was an athlete as well talking about uh, mental health in athletes and how difficult it is to come forward with any kind of concerns because you just want to play. You just want to be involved in your sport and you don't want to go against your coaches. You don't want to piss off your team. You don't want to appear weak. And this is disgusting to think that this person who's you know supposed to be supporting his athletes was you know doing this to all these people. And I, I, yeah, I really have no words. I feel like, I feel like athletes just deal with so much shit and they can't really do a lot about it. I feel like this happens a lot in running. Maybe I heard this wrong and uh, maybe I'm getting this completely wrong. And maybe you can tell me about this. Was there an issue with like a Nike training camp and the way the coaches were treating their athletes in that camp? Did you hear this or did I make this up? No, no, yeah. Uh, one of the top American runners, she was in high school and she actually like dropped out of school to run. Yes, yes. Uh, her name's Mary Kane. She spoke up about her coach literally like shaming her weight. Basically being like, you know, put her on a scale in front of the whole team mm -hmm. and telling her how fast she is in front of the whole team of professional athletes. And her being wow. the youngest and like looking up to these people and him being like, if you don't lose those five pounds, you're trash and you can't run instead of looking at like the results. And as she lost weight, she got slower. Yes. Like that's... Not everyone, like not everyone losing weight is a good thing. Like for me, I'm so lean. If I lose weight, I will not perform well. Yeah, like, that's, exactly. kind of... yeah. that's what I remember from the story is that because these were such high level coaches and she just kind of was like, this is the greatest experience I'm ever going to have. And then she was just completely broken down. And then she was actually made into a worse athlete because of it. Yeah. It was like a horrible experience. Stress fractures, like women are already like more likely to get stress fractures. And then you take their period away. And now they're, they're going to get stress fractures, right? Yeah. Like it's just, yeah, it's awful. And you would think high level coaches like that would understand that your size doesn't necessarily equate to your physical ability. Like we did a whole episode on that as well, where, you know, health, your health and your physical ability and your physical fitness can't be determined by your size because there's a lot of factors that play into it and bodies are created differently and your body has an optimal um, an optimal functioning level. And obviously this coach didn't understand that and was forcing well, her to get skinny like in in unhealthy ways. You put all your faith into into the people that have the answers yeah. it, to become a better athlete and it, it doesn't work that way for you. And then that's really just a fucking hard go. That's kind of what um, ended up attracting me to triathlon is it's a very much um, individual sport. I don't really have anyone telling me how to do like what, like what size to be. You should be doing this because it'd be better. It's, I can pretty much just focus on doing my workouts and proving my sessions and that will make me a better athlete. I don't need to worry about all these stupid extra factors and just worry about improving myself. At the end of the day, if my times are faster on the same course each year, like I'm improving myself. Yeah, for you know? sure. Yeah. So what's the what's the strongest part of your game here? Honestly, you'd laugh at this. It, typically, you know, you'd think it's my run. Yeah. And as far as the years in the past, it's, it's been the swim probably. Um, I'm typically out of the water top like top five if not top 10 of all the local races mm -hmm. here um the local race in toronto i was actually first off the bike this year at the race nice. uh and then on the run it kind of goes downhill i I'm a, I'm a celiac and i was actually diagnosed uh first year university when all that stuff was happening with the coach mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and ever since i actually 
I'm trying to work through this issue of I throw up on my run. During any hard, hard run, I will throw up every single time. And all of my triathlons, about halfway through the run, I have to bend over, throw up, and then get back at it. Like it happens every single race. This sounds like torture, but you're just talking about it like it's every other Tuesday. <laughs> that's, you know, it's kind of torture, but I, I'm, I'm used to it now. So it's like I, I, I lose about a, a, like about a minute and that minute in that run kind of sucks. Like, you know, a solid five people, six people will pass me. And I'm trying to work on it this year to see what I can do. I think it's due to me not taking in enough nutrition. But in such a short race, people typically don't eat anything. But I think due to just how fast my metabolism is, I need to at least take in some electrolyte or like some sort of gel or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm, yeah, I'm slowly figuring that out. I think once I figure that out, we'll see a very increase in my performance. So John, you and I never, you and I never got to meet um, when you came for Oski Prep. I don't think anyway. Uh, no, I don't been, think so. There's been no. so many people in and out of here. I'm not a hundred percent, but we never got to meet. And so I know that you've only been practicing as an RMT. What did you say? A year, a year and a half? Like you're relatively new, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, was this your first career or what were you doing before massage therapy? Um, you know, yeah, it's, it was, pretty much my first career like I did the year of University of Guelph and then after all that I was like I want nothing to do with the school and that's when I transferred into um, the Georgian massage therapy program and so then I did that massage why therapy program. massage why massage my friends always used to make fun of me that I had no uh, like personal space bubble I had no problem getting up in my friends faces <laughs> uh, <laughs> bugging them about it and it's, it's kind of true I, I've never had an issue with that and then I've always been really interested in the body and and sports and you know, oh my god wait john it. are you a close talker <laughs> do you go really really close to people's faces when you talk? yeah are you a close talker no no but i'm a i'm a i will cut you off when i walk if we're walking side by side to each other like i'll slowly just walk into you until you're like <laughs> there's nowhere my friends get really upset They're like, what are you doing i'm like i'm sorry it's just a habit like i just i'll get cl- closer and closer until i'm like leaning on them I'm like what are you doing space and i'm like okay so yeah with the you know face needs maybe right that now, maybe that comes from the running maybe yeah because you're always bounce, bouncing shoulder to shoulder to yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It could be. Could be. No, it's not weird for you. You know, I do that, but I always just thought it was because I was super clumsy. Like my friends, when we would go walking together, at some point somebody would turn to me and say, "Are you drunk?" Because I just would bump into people. And yes, you were. Right? Yeah, I might have been. <laughs> <laughs> I was not running. I was drinking. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously. So you you decided massage because you have no respect for personal space. <laughs> Well, that was just that was just a contributing factor. Like I was like, I have no, I have a lot of friends who were like mind blown that you can literally like meet a stranger and then treat them. They're like, how can you do that? Like you're touching a random person. And I'm like, to me, that's I'm I'm, I'm not touching a random person. I'm doing my job. It is weird though. Like I mean, when you think about it, some some stranger comes to you off the street, makes an appointment because they see your name online on a on a web page yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Makes an appointment, yeah. comes in and says, "Yeah, I want you to touch my body. I'm going to take off my clothes, and then I'm going to pay you for it after." Like it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a weird fucking thing right. to people that are not in this industry. Yeah, well, like John said, yeah. to us, it's just doing our job. Like I don't think anything weird about it. And I'm, you know, I wasn't a touchy person really growing up. I wasn't really a huge hugger. So I don't know what made me think that this was going to be a good idea. But now that it, this is my job, it's just my job. It's not weird. And I don't feel like touching other people is weird or gross. It's just, it's just a, every, other, every other Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's kind of it. Like I've, I don't have an issue with it. And I like, you know, dealing with the human body and being able to actually like, 
fix things that are wrong and be able to help people do what, what they want to be able to do, whether that's just day-to-day stuff or actually like, you know, do better in a sport. I actually really like that about the job. And like the flexibility as well as being an RMT is very attractive to someone who wants to be, you know, an elite athlete because it gives me a, um, a good amount of time to train and, you know, be able to move my schedule around. Are you able to still kind of keep a full-time schedule and train at the same time or no, when you're training, it's got to stop or it's got to slow down significantly? I mean, like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> in November and December, that's kind of my off season as is. I tend to back training off and up and ramp work up just because it's obviously the money making time of year for us. But in the winter months, I work six days a week. And then in the summer months, I work four days a week. So you still work pretty full time. Yeah. And so some days, you know, I typically I, I like to see like four to five clients in the day. I don't really like six. I'll do six maybe like one day a week. But other than that, I typically like four. Four is like an ideal day because mm-hmm. I can still get a session in the morning and maybe another session in that night, including like, and then a strength session. So like two to three sessions a day is ideal. Yeah. But if I'm having a full day of six clients, you know, that'll turn into like eight and a half hour day. If I have a break in there. I love hearing this, man. I'll tell you why I love hearing this. I love hearing this because you know, so many RMTs, I don't want to see more than five pa- patients a day. This dude is seeing <laughs> anywhere between four to six patients a day and then training like two to three times a day. It's insane. I love it. So that's the way to like, I feel my training helps me with my massage. I have RMTs that are like, Oh my God, I can't stand up for four hours. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, have, I, I have bike rides that are four and a half hours. And I go for an hour run after the bike ride. Like, are you insane? Standing up is my, my recovery time. Like the legs flushed out. Like I just, it kind of, yeah, that kind of frustrates me. Cause yeah, everyone you can, if you are not like working out, like I see six clients and like in December, I worked on Christmas Eve. You know, I worked 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. on Christmas Eve because people wanted to get in. I Christmas Eve this year. I think I I I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like, and so many, my whole clinic shut down that whole week. And I was like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but like, there's a lot of money to be made. I have regulars who still want to be seen. Like, I I will work. I have no problem doing that. But then in the summertime, when it's like, I can do what I really, really enjoy, I kind of explain to my clients, like, you enjoy your summer. I'll I'll enjoy mine. I'll see you back in the fall. And, you know, (laughs) and, and typically they're, they're pretty understandable. Like I still work when I can and I do work Sundays on occasion throughout the year as well. Like I have a key to my clinic, so I just open up and I have clients come in on Sundays. So that kind of gives my clients a bit more availability because they're typically free on Sundays. Let's talk about your practice then, John. Do you treat a lot of athletes or what's your, what's your typical clientele like? Um, I say it's pretty 50, 50. I treat a decent amount of like younger athletes um, at my Burlington location because it's like a sport medicine clinic. We have like sport medicine physicians there uh, and a lot of physio there. Um, so it's a lot more kind of sports rehab, injury. Um, I see a lot of those there. And then in my Oakville clinic, it's more of a, a wellness clinic, but I see a lot of this wide variety of stuff. I will see sport injury. And then I also see, you know, some older clients that just are in there to kind of like for maintenance or just general kind of like relaxation. I'll see that too. Um, I would like my practice to kind of veer towards the sport side of things. I'm trying to work towards like my sport massage certification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of the way I'd like my practice to go in the future. Are you a certificate candidate now? Yes, I am. Yeah. I also have like my fascial stretch therapy level one certification. I'm like cupping certified, K-shaping mm-hmm. certified. Are you finding it difficult to complete the, the set number of hours? What is it like 500 hours? I'm going to be completely honest with you. Yeah. After this year, I'm throwing that away and I'm not going to do it. Uh, you know what? There's You're not the first. You're not the first person that has told us that. That's kind of why I was kind of trying to feel you out on that. I took the advanced sport massage course from them. You know, that was a great learning experience. I did find that course very useful. But as far as 
actually getting my hours. Like they're basically asking you to do, you know, like over a hundred volunteer hours. Yeah. And as a, like as someone who's trying to work out and work, I'd have to basically decide one of those have to go for me to get my certificate. Like, so I have to either stop working out, get my sports certification or stop working and just volunteering. And I, I can't afford that. So, yeah. and it's just like, a, as much as they also changing the title, you can't call yourself a sport massage therapist anymore. And that's really weird to me, by the way, like I was reading up on that and then we do a, a free education and networking night and we had Jason White come out. Uh, I can't remember what his position formerly, what he was there, like the former chair of I, I don't remember I just know the he's, Ontario he's not chapter. in that anymore exactly he was talking to us about how this whole thing is happening where they're not your guys are not allowed to use the title because you're specialized and it's holding the title of massage therapist it's really weird to me like I didn't understand it all because the way I understood it to be okay yes you can't advertise you specialize okay I get that but they were also having an issue with the name massage therapist as part of it. And I'm thinking to myself, that makes no fucking sense. Like, I mean, yes, there's title protection for massage therapy in Ontario reserved for if you're an active member of the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario. But if you are a sport massage therapist, you have to be a member of the CMTO. So yeah, I, didn't understand, I didn't fully understand why, other than the specialization thing where that could be debated, like you can't use that title, but I didn't understand the whole scope of why they couldn't or what the big debate is. Yeah, they, they sent us all a survey and basically were like, what title would you prefer? But all of the titles were awful. It was basically like... What were some of those titles? Hard to remember. They're basically like, you know, Canadian Sport Massage Therapy Association candidate or, you know, member. Or, and I'm like, but people, for the average person, you know, they don't, they're not technically the smartest when they're trying to look what they're looking up, right? They just type yeah. in, you know, sport injury or sport massage, and they're not going to look up Canadian Sport Therapy Massage like Association, right? They're not going to type that in. So they, they actually have the problem then, based on that kind of quick recollection of what the names were, I assume that they have a problem with the specialization part, sport massage. Yeah, that's what, that, that's exactly like when they, when they sent this email saying what the issue is, that was the main issue is the fact that massage therapists can't legally specialize. And this is saying that we're specializing and you can't. So they're taking away the title, but I'm like, that's kind of the whole reason I was paying to be a member was to have that title. Exactly. Yeah. And now that I can't have that title, you know, even a lot of people don't ever become fully certified. No, you know, you're most always people just don't. a candidate. Yeah. And, but it's okay. Cause you have that title there. You know what I mean? And it's a selling factor. Yeah. You just have to pay whatever hundred dollars a year to maintain that title. Great. Let's do that. But now that they're taking it away, it's like, yeah, why would I pay that fee? Especially when I know it's unrealistic for me to become like actual certified. And then you have to pay even more. You actually have to do another written and practical exam and you have to do online, like continuing education for anatomy, physiology assessment, and you have mm -hmm. to pay for all those courses and you have to do them. So it's a pretty big investment yeah. for something that now, in my opinion, isn't giving you a massive gain unless you do want to be a therapist at the Olympics or, exactly. you know, at, at a major games. Like if you're going to do that, great, then do that. But I've always been more interested in being an athlete at one of those events rather than a therapist. Mm -hmm. Right. And even if you want to work those games, like you said, it takes forever to get your hours. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, even though you have your hours and you have the full title, I mean, there's, it's slim pickings when they're choosing people. Yeah, to, yeah there's seniority go, in right? that. So yeah, sure. you're not just going to get your hours and suddenly you're at the Olympics. Yeah, exactly. It's, you got to put in a lot of time and volunteer work and again when i sat down and really thought about it a lot of those events are they're in the summer or you know they're in during my race season and it's like again i'd have to and the more and more i look into it the people that i find are, are very are very involved in that like that is their hobby their hobby is they love helping out with sports they love yeah. doing that and that's so great 
but I don't have I don't have time for that. Yeah, that's true. A lot a lot of people just have the, they have an interest in athletics, and therefore they don't mind volunteering at all these different events. Yeah, it's different from being yeah. an athlete yeah, like yeah. you are, John. Yeah, that's just that's the little bit of a difference that I've noticed. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. So you you would like your practice though to to gear more towards athletes. Have you are like are you thinking you just want to amp up the amount of time you're working at? Uh, the sports medicine clinic or are you, do you have other goals in terms of your massage career? Are you thinking of maybe opening up your own practice? Like what are you thinking here? Where are you headed? Or are you really focused on your own athletics right now? Yeah, right now I'm, I'm kind of uh, in the mind of like, I'm 24. I turned 25 this year. Uh, I'm like, I'm young. I still, I still live at home. I don't have a lot of money to be paying fees and everything. Um, like I don't have a mortgage to pay. So I'm trying to enjoy this time that I don't have a massive commitment of my life yet. So I'm trying to train a decent amount and do what I can with, with my sports while I can. I'm not thinking too much of like, oh my God, what do I want to do with my future? Um, I would like to open up my own clinic, but I know I need a good client base. I need to be able to like, you know, and I would like to be in the GTA as well. So I'm trying to build clientele while I kind of do my sports. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of like my end goal is I would love to own my own clinic and, you know, deal with a lot of athletes as well as like, I'd like to kind of start a run club or a local triathlon club and be a coach as well to that. Ooh. That's kind of something that I'm really interested in. A local chiropractor has done something very similar, he started a run, a run group, and they're like, hugely popular. And again, it's a great way to get clients, right? They pay a membership fee to be one of your runner athletes that you give workouts to and do like one or two workouts a week with. And then, you know, you're also getting all the people that are getting hurt running into your clinic, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's an evil mastermind. No, I'm kidding. Do you, right? have a, do you have a good support system for, for what you're doing here? Or are your folks like, get a job, stop doing this athlete thing and uh, move out of the house, will you, kid? <laughs> yeah. Um, so my dad is like very, very supportive. He, he ran on a university scholarship in the state for running and he got hurt and was sent home. And that was the end of that. Um, so my dad is very supportive with like, do it while you can do it while you can. Like you, you I see potential. You just keep on working. Um, whereas my mom kind of a, a different story. Hmm. Like she's a construction litigation lawyer, you know, has been a partner for, you know, 20 plus years. Right. Um, yeah, she works insane hours. Like, um, we'll work. I'm not kidding. 7am until 11pm, six days a week. And then Sunday works from home, like yeah. on a typical week. So everything I do to be quite frank, even being a massage therapist is not enough for her. Like when I tell her I've seen, you know, I've seen six clients in a day. I've worked for eight hours. I do this. It's just like, why can't you see more? Can't you see another six? Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the mentality, especially if you're, if you're a workaholic like that, when you hear you work six hours and, and, and you're calling it a day. What? (laughs) Yeah. And and my mom just like, she doesn't get it. Like, why do you, you know, I understand you like your workouts, but you do too many. Like, do you really need to do that many? Like, why can't you do one every other day? Why do you need to do like two or three a day? So was there, was there any objection from your mother for you even going into massage therapy? Like this is not a hundred percent. I wasn't, that's kind of why I ended up at the university as well. If I mentioned college, it was not allowed. Like, no, it got shut down. You have to go to university. That's not acceptable. That's how my mom was. And still to this day, she's like, can you look into programs to see like what courses you can carry over so you can at least get a degree? Oh, and I'm wow. like, well, what would I even do with that? And she's like, no, you could. It's just, it's the way she is. The way mm-hmm. she was kind of brought up is like work, work, work. You know, my brother, he's a pilot. 
And it was the same way. Like he does not have a degree. He dropped out like third year yeah. of a language program at, at university. Well, and she's not happy about it. But he's a fucking pilot. Isn't <laughs> that awesome? I like, <laughs> right? I feel like I'd yeah, be super absolutely. proud if one of my kids was like, I'm a pilot. Like I fly airplanes. I'm like, Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, Good for right? you. Like, yeah. I fly people literally around the country. Um, but my mom is very much like you need paper to prove stuff and you need that shows how hard you've worked. That was my parents as well. They have since changed their tune. I think they just didn't really understand. And I've spoken about this before, but my parents really pushed university. I wasn't allowed to speak about college. So I did go to university. I did get a degree. I don't regret it. I loved every minute of it. Um, and then when I decided to go to college and do my massage therapy diploma, both of them went why like they couldn't understand it why would you do that like you have a university degree keep going with that what can you do with that and I was like meh eh, I want to I want to do massage I mean now they're supportive and happy and I think <laughs> I think no it's like uh I have a buddy that he was also on the podcast we did this whole entrepreneur episode uh because he you know his parents wanted him to be a doctor forever and even now he's like 30 some mid 30s married with children um he's got his career and in, in his life together and he's like to this day my mother probably would be thrilled if i threw that, that all away and went to med school yeah yeah when they're my mom is very very stubborn and i don't think she'll she'll change in that mentality but i just gotta maybe she will eventually but as long as she sees that i'm happy at the end of the day she she does kind of suck it up does that affect your relationship with your mom to be honest yeah for sure it does She's very in my face a lot about certain stuff. So mm. that's probably the tough thing about being at home. I'm very thankful my girlfriend lives pretty close by and her family is like the complete polar opposite of my family. Right. And it is it is great. For so wait, wife, wait, right? wait, a, wait a second. So did your mom like kind of freak out? Like you're going to Florida to train. This probably isn't like the best time to be traveling and stuff. And now you're back and you got to you got to quarantine yourself. And on top of that, someone tested positive. Like dude, what are you fucking doing? Like, did all that stuff make it even worse? Yeah, the, the, the Florida trip, I didn't even tell her about. I booked it all, did it all. <laughs> and then and then it was like three days before and I was packing stuff. She said, where are you going? I was like, oh, I'm going to Florida in three days. <laughs> <laughs> Love um, it. That, that's just the way to, and then she was kind of like, oh. And then it didn't become a big deal until like, like as far as Corona until like halfway through the trip. And then I was getting calls from her being like, you're coming home now. Mm. And I was like, are you paying for my flight? And she was like, no, you're coming home now. And I was like, I'll see you in a couple of days then. <laughs> like, I'm not waiting. <laughs> I paid for the trip. I paid for my flight. Like, I'm waiting, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and then coming back home, she was very pissed off because she couldn't go to work because uh, they picked me up from the airport, right? So then she had now technically has to be in quarantine for 14 days because she's oh. seen me. Um, and they hadn't shut down works yet. And my mom is someone who does not like working from home. Right. I'm currently hiding in my room because she's downstairs working from home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But at least the day after, they kind of put the work shut down on and everything. And I was like, okay, thank God. Thank God. She can't blame me. Like, you know, her work is closed now. So she has <laughs> to stay here too. Um, but if I'm not, yeah, if I'm at home and, you know, I'm not working right now, right? And as a massage therapist, there's not a lot of work for us to do when we're not working. There's literally nothing for most of us to do right now, yeah. except this podcast. And, and, and the, exactly. And that's great. And I'm like glad we can do this to give some people, you know, stuff to listen to. And my mom would just, if yeah, if I'm not doing something, it's not acceptable. Like I didn't do a lot yesterday. And like my mom will come into my room. What are you doing in your room on your computer? Uh, I don't know. I'm just doing stuff. Okay. Well, here, I have a list of things you can do around the house. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, it's just you can't sit, which is, you know, I am living rent free. So I totally understand doing chores and helping out around the house. So she's like, 
you can't do nothing ever. I feel for you, you 20 somethings right now, because again, I know how difficult it is right now. Like you said, you want to live in the GTA for young 20 somethings right now to buy a home in the GTA is really hard. We'll see what it's like after all of this uh, coronavirus nonsense. But it's really hard. So majority of, um, you know, mid to late 20s people that I know, they're still living with their parents. And I just realized as you were talking, that shit never ends when like you're just sitting around your parents are always on top of you to do something you got to do something you got to do something Mm -hmm. well fuck why do i always got to do something (laughs) (laughs) that's the the biggest thing is i'm like come on i just did like a two-hour bike ride and this can i can't that chill she's like no that's that's your hobby that's your fun time now you have work to do and i'm like what What? (laughs) right Yeah. And that's when I'm like, okay, um, I'm going to go sneak away to my girlfriend's house, but I don't have that ability right now. So I'm yeah. truly trapped. Oh, yeah. Are you guys just like Skyping and FaceTiming a lot? Like you and your girlfriend? Cause now I guess you can't see her at all, right? Yeah. We're just calling, uh, a lot of calling, um, and that's about it, but it's not, not the end of the world. I'm, I'm done my, my two week quarantine as far as like me this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been in her house with her parents. So I might then just break quarantine and go to her place after the 14 days and rotate between her house and my house. So that mm-hmm. way, those are the only people I'm seeing. Yeah. Because yeah, um, I'm going a little crazy. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, I wanted to ask you earlier, and I forgot about your own self-care and wellness routine like you're a massage therapist and an athlete so you obviously you treat athletes who have injuries you've had your own injuries what do you do on like a weekly or monthly basis to take care of yourself yeah um i'm honestly not the the best advocate of self-care for myself as awful as that is i you know i yell at my clients all the time do this and then i'm not the best all the time with doing stuff i feel like massage therapists are brutal for that some of us yeah (laughs) Uh, i see i see an rmt every month and then i'm pretty advocate about warming up before all my workouts cooling down <laughs> not not necessarily as much all the time but a good warm-up i always do and then if i do feel any niggles or anything i will spend more time stretching before bed i try to stretch for like 10 minutes before bed but if i'm feeling particularly bad it'll be like a half hour okay so you're stretching you get massage do you do any yeah. other um types of therapy other than massage i do not no i i'm not a needle guy if you pull out a needle i will be on the ground uh, I faint like crazy with anything that's a little bit weird, like like to the point where if I sit next to you and you describe what a needle is going to what's going to happen with a needle, I will literally faint. So I'm assuming you have no tattoos or piercings. I have a tattoo, actually, surprisingly. What? Come on, John. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I have a and I, and I have a piercing, but the piercing I got, I passed out immediately after. My, <laughs> my my tattoo, I was fine the whole tattoo. Got home. Uh, and then my girlfriend's parents wanted to see it and I took the bandages off and they're like, Oh, look at that. And it was like all bloody a little bit. And I think <laughs> <laughs> so you were never like, going to be a doctor. Okay. <laughs> no, like even, even the, even during like, I took a cupping course. Um, and during the cupping course, when they first did it on me, I fainted. Really? Like, the cups? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything weird, uh, I get in my own head. And it's like, it's very much my own head. I just can't kind of get around it. Once I got around the cupping, it's like, it's totally fine. Like, and if it's not done on me, 
it's totally fine. I have no problem doing it on other people. But <laughs> all the acupuncture courses, it's like, you have to do it on each other. And I'm like, okay, nope, no go for me. Nope. Um, <laughs> definitely not. Um, and yeah, I see Cairo from time to time. If, like I do anything to my back. But honestly, I find massage is what works best for me, kind of keeping me kind of like running well. Yeah. And you, everyone will find the therapy that works best for them. Um, I always found a combination of Cairo and massage was like what worked really well for me. Um, but I will be honest with you, just like yourself, I don't stick to my regular maintenance as much as I should because I'm doing 7 million other things, uh, which is not an excuse. You know, I'm fully aware that I'm making excuses and saying I don't have time. If it was really important to me, I'd make the time, but I haven't been. Um, and I'm also with you on the needle thing. So I have no problem. Actually, I, I, I can even watch other people get needles, I think. But both pregnancies, when early in the pregnancy, you have to go and do a bunch of blood tests. And both times I had to like close my eyes and look away when they were taking my blood. And it's not because it hurts. There's nothing painful about it. But just I don't know, something about that just made me really queasy. I couldn't look at it. It's, it's just a thing. I mm. get it. Yet I told Mark, I want to get a tattoo. So I don't know, we'll see how it goes. A tattoo is so different. It's not, yeah. uh, it's not the same. You'll, you'll be okay for a tattoo. It feels like someone's scratching you. Like literally, that's what it feels like. At least for me, I have mine on like my leg. And it literally felt like someone was just basically scratching me with their fingernail really kind of continuously in the same spot. Yeah, yeah that's kind of how you described yeah. it. Well, and I've done laser hair removal. And for some people, it doesn't hurt at all. Everybody apparently has a different experience. And I know there's certain factors, according to the laser technician I see, that makes it more or less painful for people. And I sort of check all the boxes. I'm very fair skinned. I have um, very fine hair. I have very... Um, like I don't have very, very dark hair. So all of these things apparently make it more painful for me. And doing that, it felt like somebody taking a million little needles and just stabbing me all at once repetitively, like over and over and over again, but just in different spots. And like, there's no break to it. So I had said to him, I feel like if I can do that, I should be able to get a tattoo. But we'll see. Yeah, I, w I would say so. Is there, uh, is there anything else that we want to talk to John about? I mean, we've kind of talked about his career, his training, his quarantine. I enjoyed this episode, actually. This was this was a refreshing, lighthearted moments that we yes. got to learn about some cool stuff that, that you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to have me on to talk to me. I do have one last question. Um, you yep. said that the swim is typically the strongest part of your triathlon now. Yep. Prior to getting into triathlons, were you... A swimmer? Were you a strong swimmer? Like he looks like he would be a lifeguard. I'm not gonna lie. I need to see you now, John. As creepy as that is, I promise. I'm. I'm. I just. This is for scientific purposes. But I, need, <laughs> I just need to see you now. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like, what was your your background in swimming before all of this? I worked at summer camps as a kid uh, all through my summer. Um. And you got paid more if you had more swimming certifications. So you are a lifeguard. I was, yeah. <laughs> See, I told you. He's like Mitch Buchanan, this guy. Yeah, I, I worked at a, a sleepover hockey camp in Sunridge, Ontario. And it was like they paid you something like $20 more a week per swim certification that you have all the way up till your NLS. And I was like... Um, mom, dad, will you pay for my swim and certifications? And I'm like, yes. And I was like, done. And so I did it all because that meant I could get more money. Yeah. But besides that, like I just spent a lot of time in the water. I'd have a cottage up north. So I spent a, time, a lot of time in the water as a kid, but 
I have no like formal swim training as far as part of a club or part of a swim team or anything like that. That's something I hope for my kids, actually. I mean, I'm not one of those parents that's trying to... Well, yeah, I'm not one of those parents that's trying to live vicariously through their kids, but I guess I sort of am. Um, I also worked... (laughs) I worked for day camps and things when I was a kid, and I remember regretting uh, dropping out of swim. I don't remember the levels, like it was colors or something. And I remember I had gotten to... I had one more level to do before I could start doing like the um, bronze cross. And thank you. And yeah. All like all stuff. of those yeah. things. So yeah. I had like one more yeah. level to do before I could start doing that. And I was probably like 12 or 13 at the time. And I remember reading what I was going to have to do for my tests at the end of the next level, which was what I, I can't remember. I just remember the first, like the first bullet point was 20 lengths of the pool. And I was like, fuck it. I'm out. And I quit. And it's it, I on I I shouldn't. But wait, have. wait, when you were at, when you were at Western, didn't you have to do an aquatics? Yeah, and didn't you wasn't part of your thing like endurance endurance test? Yeah, how many lengths did you have to do for that? Do you remember the endurance test? They I think what they did is they they timed it. It wasn't. It was like they gave us I don't know five or six minutes, and you had to see how many lengths you can do in that time. And there was a minimum number you had to do. And honestly, I barely made the minimum. Ours wasn't timed like that. Ours, ours was, was ours was lengths. And you couldn't get out of the pool till you did so many. Oh my god! How many do you have to do? I, I don't remember. I wish I fight. That was such a long time ago. But it's funny because they like no one really. Anyone that doesn't swim really well. <laughs> okay, so at York University, when when I was there for the Kin program, one of the physical education practicums you had to take was an aquatics. So. Anyone that doesn't really like the pool, they save it for their last year. So there's all these fourth and fifth year students in what really is like a first year swim. No, I did the opposite. I'm actually not a strong swimmer and I was dreading it. So I did it first to get it the fuck out of the way. For all of us, we all saved it for the very last thing that we did. And so once you get into the pool, they break you up into your skill level, your advanced, your intermediate, and you can't swim at all. Yeah. And so like, I'm just like, I'm pretending I can't swim. And they're like, no, no. Uh, you can swim go to that level and then even there i was like mm, i can't really do this like no 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 go to that level and then it just ended up being like the the end endurance fucking test you had to do just was tons more lengths and i was like fuck i should have played that a little do bit do you better. not remember when you and i were in jamaica this was probably 11 years ago and we were on one of these excursions and they had said to everybody cuz they stopped in the middle of the ocean and you could sort of get out and snorkel and swim around and they had said if you're a strong swimmer just jump in you don't need anything if you're sort of an intermediate swimmer they had like a belt which was sort of a flotation device you know you can put this on to help you out and if you're if you can't swim at all put on a life jacket everybody on this excursion was either just jumping in or going for the belt i go to reach for a life jacket mark's like what are you doing and i'm like i'm not even gonna pretend that i'm a good swimmer like i'm i'm not here to impress anyone give me the fucking life jacket we're in the ocean i don't want to die and i put the life jacket on <laughs> that's literally my dad we have we have a pool and he might see him in the pool in our backyard three times a year. And he might make it to the step to sit down on the step. He can Oh really? So like yeah, your not, not your dad's not a swimmer. Okay. Yeah, no, no I was no, no, no. I was never really a great swimmer. I could swim, but as I started to say, is what I hope for my kids and the reason that I have them in a professional swim school so young is I want them to be very confident in water and I want to know that they could save their life if they had to. Mm. You know, like I, I love the way that they're teaching them proper breath control and what to do if you were to fall in or get pushed. You know, they're not teaching them how to blow bubbles and how to kick. They're teaching 
teaching them how to properly save their lives. So, you know, my little five-year-old knows knows what to do if she falls in the water. And I hope that they continue with this because one regret I always had when I worked at the day camps was that I wasn't the lifeguard who was getting paid a lot more than I was. And then maybe she'll yeah. take up triathlons and never move out of the house. It'll be good. <laughs> yeah, 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 seriously. You're giving That's us true. hope. <laughs> I know. I, I do agree, though. I think it's a, a great life skill. And I'm super happy that like, my parents basically forced me they were like, you have to get all the way up to just below like your bronze medallion and all that. And then after that, it's your choice. And I'm happy they made me do that. Because like, it's a very useful skill to have now. Like, like you said, a lot of people, you know, don't even know how to breathe and blow bubbles and all this stuff. And you have to teach yourself that when you're relearning literally how to breathe and stuff, let alone if you fall in panic, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been really fun. As Mark said, it was really nice to have a, a little bit more of a lighthearted discussion today. I hope that things can resume back to normal soon. And, you know, in the meantime, obviously keep up with ever, whatever training you can. And hopefully yeah. that means you get to go to, where did you say the the race was next year? Uh, Bermuda. Bahamas? Bermuda. I think yeah. it was a B. Yeah. Bermuda. Well, I yeah. hope yeah. for the best for you and that you end up in Bermuda. And uh, <laughs> if you. and when you're ready to take continuing education courses, come back here because now I just need to see you in person and understand. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch Buchanan. Absolutely. He is too young to know who Mitch Buchanan is. He's like way younger than I am. No. You're not getting him here. He doesn't know who that is. You don't, do you, I John? Do not. I do See? not. <laughs> Baywatch, Baywatch. David Hasselhoff's character on Baywatch. He's too young for Baywatch. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe his chest isn't as hairy. I don't know. I don't recall what his chest looks like. Let's not get into talking about John's chest hair. Let's wrap it up. I feel like John's smooth. I feel like he's pretty smooth. I don't okay. have any. I barely have any. You're right. Bang. <laughs> Right on, brother. This has been fun. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Cool. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. Peace.